there are secrets out there, guys, performance marketing secrets, and knowing just one or two of them can light up your funnels. Let's go. This is Performance Marketing Insiders. I'm Chris Mechanic. Join me as we go deep into the secrets of the world's elite marketing minds. Performance Marketing Insiders is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the AI-driven performance agency that makes you smarter. So I'm super excited today to have Udi Lettergore on uh, on the show today. Udi is a very, very impressive individual. I'll let you say a couple things about yourself, but currently he's uh, heading up marketing at Gong, which is a very hot brand, very sexy brand. I know you guys um, are you know in the billions in terms of valuation at this point, and uh, you've been there since very early on. So I, I'm super. I have so much to talk to you about. Welcome to the show, Udi. Hey, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Uh, yes, I've been with Gong for coming up to five years now. Gong uh, is the fifth company where I was the first marketer and built a marketing team. And this one is definitely the, the greatest and uh, growing the company to new heights. So super, super excited to see where we go next. 100%. Uh, so you are so knowledgeable on, on a variety of topics. I want to give you kind of a and something a little open-ended so that you could talk about whatever it is that is top or, or um, that you think is relevant. But my question for you today is what are your, your top three or your top five secrets for marketing success? All right, let's, let's, let's get going. Top five secrets for marketing success. Number one is strategy before tactics. On the day that you get your email as the new head of marketing, you will start getting emails from every agency, tech vendor, and partner who wants to work with you. Ignore them all. Figure out your strategy before you send out your first email or do your first social post, because the easiest thing to do in marketing is get busy with activities and campaigns, and they're usually going to be a huge waste of your time and money unless you have a clear strategy behind them. So strategy before tactics, that's number one. Number two, don't produce anything that you wouldn't want to consume. If if you were to receive this email, if you were to show up to this webinar, would you leave a raving fan? If not, nix it and start over. Create something that you would be excited to consume. Just like the Netflix series that you're binging on, that's the level of excitement you want to create. Number three, don't wait for inbound to come in. You need to start outbound on your first day on the job. Hire that SDR, give them a script, sit over their shoulder or install something like Gong to listen to their calls and start outbound. That's the only way you're going to make it to your next round without running out of money first. Inbound, you should start building, but don't expect it to bring in fruits before, I don't know, 12 months or 18 months. Number four, never compromise on the people you hire. Never compromise on the people you hire. Every person you add can either give you 10x more value or suck up 10x of your energy. Never compromise on the people you hire. And last and not least, number five, don't obsess about measurement. Do what seems right for the brand. Even if you've got a great gut feeling, go for it. If it works, you will know, even if it doesn't show up on the dashboard. Love that. Well, that was very good and very succinct. Uh, Resonates heavily. So um, I particularly love the content piece. Your first piece was kind of like about noise. Uh, I am interested because I've heard other executives talk about focus. You know, how, how do you evaluate different ideas, different options? There's so many of them. How do you separate the signal from the noise and determine what to do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? 
Well, you need you need a clear objective of what am I trying to achieve this quarter? I have four very specific goals for this quarter, and almost every single thing I do ties up into one of those four goals. If I see something in my inbox or someone shoots me an idea, I mean, just today I had to reject someone on LinkedIn who had an amazing idea that I told him I would love to do that. It's just not in the four goals for me this year. Let's talk next year. It might be the right time. So once you have those priorities, keep them in front of you. It gives you the focus that you need. 100%. And the Gong strikes me as an organization that is particularly close-knit when it comes to the sales and the marketing orgs, respectively. Um, Absolutely. I've, I've mentioned that I've headed marketing for five companies and none of them uh, were sales and marketing as closely knit as we are here at Gong. And it's a big, big part of our secret. Uh, I've, I've written about it and I've, I've presented extensively about it. Uh, if if you're a marketer somewhere out there that is not closely connected with your CRO, or as I like to say, if you don't know how they take their coffee, you're doing it wrong. And my advice would be, number one, try and create that relationship that you know how they take their coffee and when and be there at least once a week when they take their coffee to work together on challenges and needs and what's working, and what's not working. If you cannot create that relationship, if your sales leader is not open to that relationship, you should move on and go somewhere else because I don't know of a way to be a successful marketer at a B2B company when you're not like the, the two-headed machine that is sales and marketing. So how does that look? How does that play out? Uh you know, in real life? In real life, it looks like this. My team is deeply embedded within the sales organization. When I say deeply embedded, while we were still at the office, my head of demand gen used to sit more often within the SDR open space than he did within the marketing team. I used to go find him there if I needed something from him. Mm -hmm. Um, Today, my marketing team members are in all of the sales Slack Slack channels, all of the internal channels. My ABM manager is in the upmarket uh, sales channel. The other marketers are in the internal sales Slack channels where people ask questions that we can jump and help them with, right? Just today, someone was asking about some esoteric competitor that we we hardly heard about. So my competitive intelligence product marketer jumps in with an answer because he's there. We are present. We solve their problems. So they come to us for more of that. And we know exactly what they're dealing with right now. So we can stay ahead of the curve and solve that for them. If you're not there, if you don't know what your sales team is struggling with this week, you can't be there to help. They won't rely on you to help them in the future. And that's how you start drifting apart. And from there, it's really, really hard to repair. How does your, uh, how does the marketing org use Gong the product or if, or do you, I mean, cause I know it, it'll tell you a lot of interesting things like, you know, this is the most important objective or like the top performers, like focus on this topic more so than others. Are your marketers in there using Gong? Of course. We we could talk about this a lot, but, uh, you know, one of the reasons we love working for Gong is that we get to use our own tools. So we drink our own champagne, as we like to say. And uh, one of the many ways we use Gong is, A, to see how our own marketing materials and messaging and pricing are landing. How are the sales team delivering them? Who is delivering them? Because it's not going to be equal across the board. So, we can tap on the shoulder folks that we see are struggling with delivering the latest messaging and decks. If someone's using an old version, is it because they missed the training? Is it because they didn't like what they saw? So that's that's one thing we do. And the other thing is we listen to the voice of the customer. So we hear how customers are responding to our messaging. What aha moments are they having? When they go like, whoa, dude, that's sick. We know, okay, we've nailed something. 
let's replicate this. And we have those sound snippets. Sometimes with customer's consent, we, we even publish them and it, it's really cool to listen to. So you can really get those aha moments in a very unfiltered way. Um, other things that we hear about are which competitors are coming up? What are we getting compared to? What, what is happening in the market? Um, last year when COVID hit, we heard from a lot of customers that they were now, their sales team were having to go through their buyer's CFO to get approvals for deals that were way below the threshold that they previously had to. So we quickly created content for our customers, how to get through the CFO and created a template for that. That became our number two or three most downloaded piece of content within a few weeks of launching. Because we had ears in the market, we heard what the market was struggling with, we could put out content to address that immediately. And I, I honestly don't know how other teams do it these days. Yes. So we talk here uh, internally a lot about strategy and we oftentimes almost joke because the word strategy is so broad. It means a lot of things to a lot of people. It, you know, it's difficult to define or pin down. The, you know, your, your number one thing was, hey, figure out the strategy. Like what in your mind are the essential, the core elements of strategy? Like if you have a blank page, you know, with 10 slots where you need to fill the strategy and like, what are those slots? We're talking about marketing strategy, right? Marketing strategy, yeah. So we start with the end goal. What does success look like? Okay, if we are, and depending on the the time span of your strategy, uh, hopefully it's it's a long term thing. So maybe short term strategy would be for one year, or longer term for three to five years. What does success look like? Uh, just imagine, like, what is the next Wall Street Journal headline mentioning your company? What are they talking about? About a certain success in the market, about certain revenue, about an acquisition, about an IPO, about some, what do you want to be known for? Start for, from that and then work back. Okay, where am I right now? What do I need to do to get, to get there? And you re-engineer that saying, okay, um, let's say I want to be, I remember the the one of the first strategy meetings we had, I think five years ago was uh, within a year, we want to have double the social media mentions of all of our competitors combined. In other words, if you take 100% of the social media mentions of what we then called conversation intelligence, we want two out of three of those to be about Gong. That seemed like a really tall order, but we said, okay, that's what success looks like. So we know that we're dominating the market. And so, okay, what do we have to do in order to do that? And we build a whole content marketing strategy out of that. Then we set out measurement tools to actually mention, to measure what our competitors were doing both on their company profiles and then on their executive profiles. And once a month, we had people tally up all those numbers and we measured that. <coughs> and within a few months, we clearly saw that we were dominating not just 67% of the social media mentions in our field, but more like 85 or, or 80 in some months of all the social media conversation intelligence. So that, that's what it looks like when you understand what the goal is how are we going to reach it? How are we going to measure it? And, and you can do that for, for any big audacious business goals, uh, as, as long as you know where you want to see yourself at any given point in time in the future. Yeah. So what do you figure is is the is Gong's like, you know, biggest secret? Like without giving too much away to any competitor, but like, you know, your your five uh tips were like really good, but like a lot of people talk about strategy first tactics, a lot of people talk about good content. Um, I did really enjoy that the outbound uh, piece, but like, what do you think? Like, what's really the secret sauce behind Gong's marketing growth, or you know, marketing-driven growth? Uh, I'd say there are two things. One of them I cannot take credit for. The, the other I'll take some. The first one is we started marketing when when Amit, my CEO, called me 
we had 12 beta customers and they already saw amazing product market fit. It's way easier to build an award-winning marketing strategy and team around a product that has amazing product market fit. Yeah. It's really, really hard to the point of impossible to do that if your customers don't really use the product or use it, but don't like it. Yeah. So that is something, and that's a career tip maybe for marketers. Like look for that product market fit if you're joining a company that already has a, mar- a product because you won't be able to fix that. Yeah. You won't be able to fix that. And even if you're the most brilliant marketer in the world that can do the most creative things in marketing and measure them obsessively, it won't matter if customers hate your product and are churning left and right. And right. we can all think of companies where we know that happens. So one is, is at the company level. It's not even a marketing thing. We have lots of raving fans of our customers. In other words, product market fit. That makes everything infinitely easier for marketing, for sales, for CS, for finance. I mean, just name it. It's easier once you have that great product market fit. The other thing that we chose to do really, really early that I think a lot of companies get wrong is we decided that our marketing is going to be completely human. I know in the last couple of years, more and more companies are talking about it and some are even implementing it, but it was pretty novel five years ago when when we started doing this. Uh, You could count on one hand the number of B2B companies that were doing marketing that reads like a human being Uh, because most companies want to be the number one authority and have all the respect and trust of everyone in their field, but they confuse that with being stuffy and boring. I'm not going to name any brands because I don't want to get into trouble with anyone, but think of brands that you know that you do recognize as being authoritative, but there's nothing cool about them. You wouldn't invite them to your next dinner party because they're stuffy and boring. You you said it. I'm not going to mention any brand name, but we all know these stuffy brands that, that are authoritative, but really, really boring as hell. So we're... We decided to to create this seemingly impossible thing of being recognized as the number one authority in our field, but being the friendly guy or gal that you want to have drinks with at your next party. And that, I think, is what we've created. And everything we do, the the experience we create in our events, the tone of voice and the imagery that we use on our website and our social media and in our content and in our webinars, it all derives from there. How can we be this friendly person that you come to for help and be approachable and be fun. I mean, go to our website and talk to the to the Bruno bot. That's that's the bulldog chat. He's scheduling hundreds of meetings a month yeah. at, at the leading revenue intelligence platform, right? So we've proven that it's possible to be the number one authority in your field without being boring. I, I think okay. that is the one thing that that my team and I can take credit for beyond the the product market fit, which I mentioned. That's brilliant. And that's like, like my rule number one in marketing is probably anything but boring. It's like the last thing you want to be is boring. And I think you guys are playful, even down to the name gong, I think is I'm always just like, you know, boom, like on the sales floor, just like, there you go. It's ringing. I, I absolutely love that, man. I like a lot uh, about what you're saying. Um, talk to me about the last thing on measurement. So like, I'm curious about what your measurement, uh, your kind of dashboard looks like, uh, but, but more so like, how do you, I kind of think of it almost as similar to the difference between brand and performance. Like a lot of larger organizations, they'll have a brand and comms team and then they'll have the performance marketers. I, I don't think that's the case in your guys' world, but like, how do you think of the difference between brand and performance measurable versus non-measurable? And like, what does your measurement system look like? Yeah. So I, I mentioned this in my top five things. I don't obsess about measurement. I, and, and I, don't measure your marketing, right? You, you won't 
have a seat for long uh, in the management room or for five minutes in the boardroom if you can't show up with some meaningful dashboards and metrics showing how you're contributing to business. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is a few months ago, I, I had an idea of let's do a Super Bowl commercial. And very few B2B companies have ever in the history of Super Bowl done Super Bowl commercials. But knowing my brand and my audience, I thought it would be perfect for our brand. And I thought that at the very least, we'd get some long-term impact of this that would be impossible to measure. And at best, we'd get some short-term impact that we'd see by you know, leading indicators like website traffic, website conversion, and, and maybe even some opportunities created. Uh, but I wasn't setting any ex high expectations for that. And I got my CEO excited, and then I got the CFO's approval, and we even checked with a few board members, and they said, you know, normally we would have said no to other companies, but at Gong, we know that Udi sort of knows how to do these things creatively. We trust you to do this. And I, I've got those emails from the board member. So my CEO forwards them to me with a headline that says, basically, your neck is on the line. Good luck. <laughs> and, and then I went and did a Super Bowl commercial. And it felt right because I was getting texts and messages on Super Bowl Sunday from AEs saying that they've gotten hundreds of messages from their prospects that day. Think about it. Wow. And AE getting hundreds of messages from their prospects. I just saw it on the Super Bowl. Oh, my God. That's amazing. That's so exciting. I want to move forward. We had interviews with candidates that week that, that wrote in an email, the reason why I took the recruiter's call is because I saw your Super Bowl commercial on Sunday. So we're getting all this anecdotal ROI, but wait, I say the, the best for last. At the end of the week, it turns out we broke all of our records for new business, new business opportunities created in a single week at Gong. So we had the best week ever for new business opportunities. So even the grumpy CFO got the short-term ROI that we were looking for. Tim, we love you. You're not really grumpy, but, uh, but it makes a better story. So my point is I was very comfortable charging forward with this, knowing that I would likely not be able to measure a lot of the impact I got fortunate and lucky that a lot of the impact was measurable at the end of the day, but I keep doing these things. Uh, we've since sponsored a bunch of other TV programs. Some of them probably were a complete flop. Others probably will have a long-term impact that we can't yet measure. And, and I've done out of home for the same reasons. And I'm experimenting with, with radio and podcasts and a bunch of other things that are really hard to measure. But if you have a strong gut feeling that this could work for your brand. You should have a reserve part of your budget, 10, 15, maybe 20% of your budget to do these things with, and they usually pay off. I love that. I love that sentiment. And in a world of, you know, data, 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 measure everything, test everything. I, I just love the message of like, use your intuition, go with your gut sometimes. And Absolutely. I love that. Uh, Udi, where, where can uh, folks learn more about you or Gong? Uh, so Gong, you would find at gong.io. That's the best place to go. Subscribe to our blog, even if you're not ready to buy revenue intelligence yet. You don't want to miss Devin Reed and the content team's blog. We come out every week with amazing content that really helps salespeople and sales leaders everywhere. Um, the best place to follow me and connect with me is on LinkedIn. So there's only one Udi Lettergore, so okay. I should be pretty easy to find. And I, I don't post every day, but uh, hopefully when I do post, it's helpful. Perfect. Yes. And I can attest to that. Gong is an awesome product, uh, kind of a category creator in my view. And you very much practice what you preach in terms of only content that you would want to consume yourself. Even, you know, even the free content is, is next level. I know time is up, but I really enjoyed it. Will you come back sometime? Of course. Thanks for having me. And uh, let's stay in touch.
And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us today. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at performancemarketinginsiders.com. This podcast is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the performance agency that makes you smarter, offering AI-driven search, paid social, analytics, and conversion rate optimization for financial services, health, B2B, and SaaS brands that know. Hey guys, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, you can get a performance marketing assessment for free. And this isn't some cookie cutter automated report. It lays out detailed, specific things you can do right now to unlock limitless growth and nirvana level personal satisfaction. To claim your free assessment, just go to performancemarketinginsiders.com slash audit and you'll have your customer report within just a few days. 